0: schmooze. I'm Doug Ebach, the original screenwriter for the movie Sweet Home Alabama, and each month I bring on guests to discuss topics related to writing for various entertainment media. Today, my guests are screenwriters Karen Stillman and David Benulo. Karen has written pilots for or sold projects to Fox, ABC, CBS, Freeform, Lifetime, Nat Geo, and USA. She is currently writing a feature on My Ear* as well as a thriller based on a true story. David's credits include Around the World in 80 Days, 12 Rounds Reloaded, and Hallowed Ground, which he also directed. He sold the high-concept summer tentpole project Atlantis to Bright Green Pictures, and his hit list script, Decoy, is currently in pre-production. So welcome, guys. And um, the topic today is notes, um, as in getting studio notes. So. Um, just first, I guess, uh, and maybe uh, should say that there's, there's sort of two kinds of feedback. There's feedback you get from your writer friends, right? That uh, to help you make your script better um, and that you can ignore with the only penalty being your script may not be as good. And then there's the notes you get from the people who are paying you or uh, putting up money for the film or writer, or directors or stars that can pull the plug. So um, I guess that's kind of more the focus, but um, I'm curious if you have any, when you go into a note session, Uh, Do you have any particular strategies or approaches to getting notes? Uh, And I guess uh, let's start with Karen.
1: Well, it kind of depends, I think, on how the project came to be there, Um, at least for me. I mean, if it's a project that you've championed that, you know, it was your baby and you've sort of taken it up the ranks, I think you look at it one way. And if it's a project that you've been hired to write, um, I think it's a very different approach. And you know for those projects i try to say you know it's your clown show I'm the balloon maker Um, it's you know you, you really are trying to do for them what they want and you know you they hired you for a reason so I'm always curious as to what scripts they read of mine that made them hire me what did they like what do they see in it but it's a very specific thing that you're doing and also for what I'm writing for television different networks have very different approaches to you know what they want I mean writing for Lifetime and writing for you know, a, a different, like Netflix or something, you're going to be two di- very different projects. So, you know, that's one thing to really understand how it got there. If you're, you know, if you've sold something up the chain and it's your baby, I think you have more of a chance to say, you know what, I'm going to push back on those notes a little bit more and let me explain my vision. Um, but I, I think one thing that I, you know, overall, I really try to take into a room is that nobody's the enemy, everybody wants this to be good. Like, I I think that's where I start. It's just sort of how I, you know, might push for some things and not for others.
2: Okay, and uh, David, do you have any particular strategies? Uh, Well, when I started my career, I was much more defensive, I think as we all are when we're younger. We go in with like, no, that's wrong. And now I go in and I try to say, okay, let me hear their notes and not react and just go, huh, that's interesting. Oh, that's interesting. And write them all down and then go home and either drink into oblivion or pound and fall. And then the next morning, wake up and go, you know what? I think I can take that note and do this with it and satisfy both masters. So I think that's either experience, maturity, age, or all of the above mixing together. um, that has led me down that path, but I also do believe that, you know, look, on a movie set, and I say this all the time, you have somebody in charge of the lighting. You have somebody in charge of makeup. You have somebody in charge of wardrobe. I am, my job as your writer, I am in charge of story. That is my job. I am the gatekeeper of story. So if you come up and say, the actor is not going to throw this line away and not going to do it, I'm going to say, then the story is not going to make sense because it's the only reference to what happens five scenes later or 40 minutes later. This line must be here for this reason. And a lot of directors who aren't writers don't really think that way.
3: Yeah.
2: Um, yeah. I think they just go, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. And it's like, it does matter, and that's why it's there.
3: Yeah.
2: Yeah. The last thing you want to do is get into the editing room and not have it and realize, ah, shit, now we have to shoot over Doug's shoulder onto Karen and ADR Doug's line. Even though it's really important, and really important lines are typically on screen. Right. And so anyway, I, I try to see myself as the story keeper, and if they go look, I can go, look, it doesn't matter, change that line. As long as this is there, it doesn't matter. Just make sure that gets it conveyed. And they're like, okay. Um, but now I tend to be a lot less, I guess I've matured, I don't know. I, I, I'm, I'm less defensive.
1: Yeah, I, guess no, I, I mean, the- I remember when I first, when I was in film school and, you know, all these people are giving you notes and, you know, you walk out going, yeah, they don't know what the hell they're, about. <laughs> they're all about. Mor- they're all morons. Each one of them are morons. And then I'm like, right? Like a couple of days later, you're like, well, maybe that's one note it was kind of, okay. Well, you know, and, and to your point, I think it's sort of like, what are they trying? Even if you don't like the note, what, what's underneath the note? What, what are they having an issue with? What's the problem? Because maybe you can address the problem without addressing the actual, you know, taking the note in that particular way.
3: Right. But again, to so,
1: point, it's really like young writers and just people just starting out are really defensive. It's like, well, I put my heart and soul into You asked for my heart and soul. There's my heart and soul on the page. Yeah. But, um, but you know, what are they? There's something that's not working.
3: Right.
2: It, they're calling your baby fat or ugly. <laughs> yeah. And they, it is, like you just said, it is exactly the note beneath the note. Sometimes they can't even tell you what their problem is. They think it's sort of this, right. but it's not really that, but it's really this. But They don't have the experience of the expertise of the analytical skill to go. No, it's that, and you have to kind of dig through that and go. Oh no, that the note behind the note is you don't like the fact that she kissed that guy on page four.
1: Right, right, right. And, you yeah, know, which sort of so. is about what I think. You know, to you know, back to your question, I think it's also your. That's your job. Like your job is not just to write. Your job is to know, um, is to get the information out of them that they can't express <laughs> it to you, and it really is. Uh, a matter of asking the right questions and continually asking the questions and you know okay so why didn't you, you know like this why didn't you you know what was the issue there um and you know the more questions you ask so the more you get a sense of what their problem is sometimes if you ask a lot of questions they realize they're giving you completely contradictory contradictory
3: information
1: because <laughs> i've had that as well where i've gotten you know sometimes you get two different notes from um you know a producer and you know a network executive gives you completely different you know which one do you take and how do you how do you maneuver that but um, sometimes the executive will give you two completely contradictory notes and you have to very gently without offending anybody really important um, don't be offensive just try to get at what the problem is and you know how you can fix it. That's that's the, the key.
0: Right. I, you know I think like of course executives are different, right? Like not every executive but I had an experience early in my career which was really enlightening to me about kind of the expectation on the executive side. Um, because I think one of the, like the resistance you're talking about when you're young is, you know, they tell you to do this and you're thinking like, but that's not right. Um, and so I went into this meeting with this executive and he was just finishing up kind of like reading a script as I sat down and he put it down. And he's like, ah, you know, that this is, I just got this rewrite and, you know, like I'm not happy. And I was kind of like, oh, why? Um, and he said, the writer just did everything I told him to. And I was like, isn't that the good thing? And he said, No, I mean he should that's, he should be better. I can do the stuff that I told him. I want him to do a better job than I said. And I was like, oh, and then so you know, like we yeah. think like they're holding on to the notes so tightly. And actually maybe they're kind of hope they know that it isn't maybe the right thing, but they're hoping you'll do do more. So yeah, I think that is a good a good thing. Which, so
1: it, like a, a, off, I, so many notes come with a qualifier. This isn't the way to do it, or this isn't the right thing. But, and you know, what they're saying is, I don't have the expertise to, you know, that's not my forte, but you know, I sort of kind of want, you know, her to say I love you, but not say I love you. like that that kind of thing. So, yeah.
2: That's well, a good one. executive will know they don't have those skills, and a new executive will want to prove that they have those skills when yeah, they do yeah. That's right. Really and I, I try to instill in some people, um, my experience has been, a lot of times you deal with executives and producers who are not creative. And to us as creatives, we cannot imagine that because our brains are programmed completely differently. Our brains are programmed to come up with 50 ideas a day. Their idea, they don't think that way. They are very you know, logical and linear and what's in front of me and what papers are on my desk. And, and it's alien to us in, in, literal, in a literal sense. So when they have one good idea, yeah they're like into to it like a life preserver at the titanic like you've got to put that idea in. it's like because that's the idea you had this week i have five of those every hour <laughs> and i can describe them because guess what's coming next another one so get out of the way but they i feel like and i mean that they it's hard to understand that they don't share the same thought patterns we do yeah yeah. And once you get that, you kind of go, oh, that's why they're clinging to this. And that's why I think it was Steven D'Souza at the Writers Guild who once said, the best thing you can ever say to somebody is, yes, and. Like if they say to you, hey, let's, I know it's a movie about a guy who falls in love with a woman, but what happens if she turns into a dog and he's allergic to dogs? And it's a totally different movie that you've just sold them and you go, yes, and what if he turns into a cat? And now they can't be together. And then you have this idea where they just want to play in that sandbox with you for a little while and feel like they contributed. And then at the end of the day, they're gonna go. That's a stupid idea. That's not the movie we want to make. We want to make Sweet Home Alabama too. <laughs> so, but you know, but they had that notion, and they want you to kind of follow the breadcrumbs at least. Yeah.
0: Yeah, and you know, like, yeah, I, I feel like sometimes. Uh, well, so I guess the next question is, you're kind of getting at something like when you get a note that is like a bad note, right? Or like you think is wrong for the the script. So it's not just you didn't hear it right, or you needed to open your mind a little bit, but like you're like, no, this is, I shouldn't do this, but it's coming from someone who you kind of have to, to please, do you have any strategies? And, and so the yes and strategy, that's sort of similar. A lot of times I'll say, that's really good. It gives me another idea. And then like, you know, kind of like give them credit for the totally different idea that I'm going to use instead of theirs. Do you guys have any yeah. strategies like that for dealing with yeah. a note that is just bad?
1: Joe, David, what do you? <laughs>
2: Sounds like you have fun. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. Give them credit for springboarding into your brilliance. Absolutely. hundred percent. Because then they feel like they're part of the process. It's yeah. a great way to win them over and make them feel like they earned their gold star in their store today. Um, and, I, and by the way, when you, it's funny because when I've dealt with TV producers who are showrunner writers, they are the creatives you should listen to. And when they say, take this note, and Karen, you do a lot more TV than I take this note you go like holy shit that note will work because you're in the trench 24 7 every day yeah. you breathe and live this show yeah. so you know these solutions like i worked with michael Pillow in the dead zone and michael was a genius and literally he would say let's do this boom 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 And you're like oh my god you just saw all the way through the forest yeah
1: yeah no, one of my favorite folks series the whole dead zone obsessed with dead zone but right. um, beyond that <laughs> but beyond that um no i agree i mean i i exactly what you're saying it, the best thing in the world if you is if you get a note and somebody helps you make your stuff better right like you're like oh my god i didn't see that that was amazing i you know and i always try to give credit and lots and lots of it because the next note may suck so you want to <laughs> really drop down like that was an excellent note and then maybe your response to the next one you know your actions not quite as excited or you know i do a lot of pausing like okay okay let me think i'm just thinking cause right. i'm trying to figure out how to do what you're saying just sort of segue it into something you know that might work or that might you know they they will be happy with the way that it goes but i think you and i are both sort of coming to the same conclusion which is like don't offend people um you can it, it's a really dangerous place to go and you can m- mo- mostly get through without doing it so don't do it if you don't have
2: to and, and uh, th- really i think the big way to do that is don't react in the moment right no matter how angry you're getting yeah you know like you'll have the bad executive who's new at this who says you know i just found the scene really stupid and it was like the, the heartbeat of your movie
3: <laughs> you know, <like> I <laughs> <one> <laughs> thing that
2: made you want to tell the whole story and right. they, by the way, i think that in some weird way they have this radar where they can pinpoint that one scene and they want to rip it out the first draft. I don't know if anyone else has experienced this always to me. So it's always like, what? That's like the whole reason I wanted to tell this whole movie. And then like you're crushed. And the whole rest of the meeting is like you like picking up the pieces of what remains of you. And then, so I think if you don't react in the moment and you say, I'm going to go home and think about it, I'm just going to take it all in. And then I'm going to says it overnight, and I really do think it's overnight. And the next point, you get up and say, okay, what really did they say?
1: Yeah, yeah. And, I mean, um, yeah, and, and yeah, that's the thing. And if you, you know, not to say, because to, to, you know, what you're saying before, Doug, it's like, you don't want to change it all. You know, you're not going to change it all completely. You're not going to change it because they told you so, and you feel like you have to. Um, you know, the point is, you want to end up in a conversation about it. And like, that's, that's what you want to get to. not Not feeling like you're being... You know hit that they're being hit it's really just like how can we have a conversation and both get to that now that said there are times when you you know you really do come to a head i mean where you just your vision and what they're telling you to do are so completely at odds um right. so david i'm gonna ask you how you handle those situations <laughs>
2: yeah. um it's funny I, I had sold this giant pitch a couple of years ago to Green before they went bankrupt and it was like a big summer tentpole movie. It was a big payday for me, and uh, it was an original concept. And um, we were dealing with the producers, and um, and uh, in the in the midst of me writing the first draft, all the executives got fired and replaced over Brad Green. <laughs> so when I handed <laughs> in the draft, they were like, "We have no idea what this movie is. We don't know what it is. All we know is the guys who run the company loved it and bought it, and now we're stuck with it." Yeah. And I'm like, "Great, here we go." Right. So so. Um, at one point, I was on the phone with, I guess it was the DOD or the, the at that time who I was dealing with, and he was not getting something, and I said, no, you don't understand it. This is, this is what the movie is, and I told it to him a sentence, and he goes, oh my god, that's the coolest thing I've ever heard. I didn't know that. And a week later, he said to me, yeah, we don't like that anymore. I said, I said to him, I gotta tell you, that cool thing was the reason your boss bought it in the room, so you're gonna have to explain to him that you don't want that anymore, what he wants. Not my problem. And then when I was dealing with the producer at one point, we were revolving, we were, you know, because of their notes, we were unwinding everything and trying to put it back together. And it never fits the same way we all know this. And I, I, I was working on how to solve this problem. And the producer said, No, here's why. The characters need to do this. They need to do this. And I said, No, they can't do this because, of, and I can't tell you the plot, but I said, Because this, they would have done this a thousand years ago if that happened. And he goes, He literally, his reaction to me on the phone was, Fuck. And he realized I was right. Like, I thought through the whole thing. And he's like, like, oh, shit, it's right on my face. I didn't see it. And I hope he can swear on this. But he said, that was what he said. That was his reaction. He was, oh, fuck. And I said, right. This is why we're where we are in the story.
3: Yeah.
2: This is why I had to jump through four hoops instead of one hoop because of that. And he goes, "Okay, I get it. So sometimes they need to see it. When I get a bad note, uh, I mean, they're paying your check. Right. and it's their movie and you've just got to put their bad note in for them to see yeah. and there are wow. times when um it's your movie and you can say i'm not going to do it yeah. i'm not going to make that change and then they fire you and hire Doug bach to fix it <laughs> <laughs> so,
3: yeah, been there
1: too. i mean it's really tricky when that happens because you don't want to be fired and you don't want people rewriting you and you you want to be able to prove your point and it's a really like, yeah, I mean that that's that's a really, really tricky one. Um I I've, I've had that situation. I actually had a situation where um I I was up for a project and I came in with this concept and I pitched the concept and they loved the concept. We love it, we love it, we're hiring you. They hired me to write the project and I came back in and after my deal closed, I sit down with them. I'm really excited to have this meeting and they're like, So we love the concept and here's how we changed it. And <laughs> And I, I literally, like, it, I, I don't know if you've ever had this experience. Like, I knew the minute they said it, it was such a profound change. It would never work.
3: Right, and I, right.
1: And, I, and they had, without me, because I, my contract, that we were, you know, had sold, you know, had sort of sold it to their boss. And everyone was on board. And and as the writer, I could tell you, like, I knew from the minute it, you know, it started. So I just didn't know what to do. I mean, I don't, you know, didn't want to pull out of the project. My, you know, it was a lot of money. I wanted yeah. to to make the money I didn't want to pull out of the project that you know you know so the question was could I convince them otherwise um you know or could I somehow work within their new framework and make it work um tried one didn't work (laughs) (laughs) so I tried two and that didn't work either but yeah that's a really tricky you know and that's that's that happens more than I think people realize. What you know, what you pitch them and you know, they love you in the room and they love what you're pitching and then like what you're saying, either the administration changes or sometimes just they they kind of, you know, something comes down and the movie should be more like this or the the show should be more like this and right. suddenly you're you're doing something totally that you didn't expect to be doing.
0: And, I, you know, I kind of think sometimes, like, our job is to save them from themselves a little bit occasionally, right? Like, like has, to, yeah. to protect them from the bad ideas. And not that they are all bad ideas, of course, but, like, you're, like, there's that element of, like, well, they're paying you, so you need to do what they say. But sometimes it's, like, if I let them go down this route, like, it's not going to be good for them either. Like, this isn't going to work.
3: Yeah.
1: That, of
0: course, is hard because sometimes you can't confront them. With that as we're talking about the politics of it um
1: sometimes you have to show them and write the really bad version right. and that's also really painful yes. because then everyone sees the really bad version you wrote and you're like i know i didn't want to write this bad version
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> ultimately you get the blame for the bad script at the so end you
1: get the blame for oh that's another thing you're going to get the blame for everything right
3: i
2: mean yeah and you know, and no credit if it's good they're going to give it to the director yeah
3: absolutely. So.
1: it's kind of true <laughs>
0: Well, and one thing you get, we've been alluding to just for the last few minutes that I, I think is important to recognize is that like, it's not like there's there's a monolith that's giving you notes, right? And that, you know, like it's a, it's a range of people and they could be at all different levels. Um, they could be at the same level, but coming, you know, like there could be the producer and then the they, if it's TV, there could be like the production company and the network and they may not see the same movie. So that puts you in a bind. Um, kind of going, just going back to the, you know, showing respect for the notes. Like that's also something is, you don't want to embarrass someone in front of their boss, too. Exactly. So, like, you know, like, that's sometimes if it's a junior executive in his boss's room and they say something stupid, like, you don't want to call that guy out in front of his boss that will not win you friends. So sometimes you have to kind of, like, they may even realize as they're saying it, this is dumb, but now they've said it. So you got to say, like, interesting, and then just sort of let it go and, and right. it works out. But um, I guess that's what I, maybe, like, do you guys have any thoughts on, like, negotiating between the different power brokers sometimes?
2: I, I will say that um, one of the things I learned was, um, I, I think this as well. I think, I think when you deal with stuff like this, it's sort of like being in a relationship and the other side just wants to be heard. They just want to know that you heard them. So if you listen and you hear them, they sometimes don't care about the note as long as they care that they've been heard. And the other thing that uh, I've learned is if you say, you know, I tried that and I couldn't make it work, yeah. and then they go, oh, okay, it a shot. You, yeah. you at least entertain my crazy notion about turning that woman into a cat for a page. Right. And then they go, okay, and then they sort of let it go sometimes. Sometimes. Um, sometimes not. Sometimes they're adamant and they hold on to it and those people shockingly rise to the ranks in Hollywood and even, even though they bankrupt studios or stuff, they tend to keep going up. I don't understand. So yeah. um, um, so I, I will, um, yeah, I, I think sometimes when you have that young exec too, um, I've, I had a situation we had sold the project to Dimension with Wes Craven attached and we pitched it over there and they loved it and then we pitched it to this young exec who was brand new and um, and she basically repitched our pitch to the bosses, but changed the pitch. So when we went to practice the pitch again in the room, she's like, "Well, you can't say that. That's not how I pitched to them." I'm like, "But that's the movie that we're pitching, and that's what." And the director built like all these models, and like the whole movie was like built out. Like they saw the toys. That's why we sold it twice. We sold it twice in the room. It was because the toys were all there. Anyway. Um, so she said, but that's not the movie I pitched to my boss, and so you have to listen to me and do what I told you. And when the meeting ended, Wes Craven said to her, you stay behind, I want to talk to you. And we were walking out of the room, and he said to her, you don't talk to writers like that. Like, I've with worked numerous times. He was a amazing man but that was a moment where I said this guy knows he's a famous director famous writer he's created franchises and he's like you don't talk to writers like that the minute you say that to them you're stomping on what they're bringing to the table you're stopping their creativity you don't tell them how to be creative you let them be creative what did you
1: do in the room I mean what did you do when you pitched it did you did you not did you do what she wanted you to do
2: no we basically, after that meeting, we, well, we got into it with you so said, but that's not how the movie works. So it's not the story. That doesn't make sense here. This doesn't track there. This is why it doesn't. She's like, but that's not how I pitched it to my boss, which is also the thing I think people need to realize is there's a stepping stone process. Right. So it's like playing telephone. Yeah. So if I pitch my movie to Doug and Doug pitches it to Karen, right. Doug may pitch it to Karen differently than I pitched it to Doug. So really, I want to get in the room with Karen. Right, right,
1: right. Well, that's, I mean, that's a great, that's a great thing to say because it's really true. It's like, and it's another reason that um, when I take notes, um, I, I try really desperately to do the, Do it in person. I try really hard not to take notes over the phone. One is because people feel like, you know, you've, you've driven there, you know, you've parked in the parking lot, you've gone through all the security, you're like up there, like they actually have to think about what they're gonna say to you. There's something about everyone getting up and going into a room and sitting there as opposed to just getting on your phone and doing it between 18 other phone calls. But they actually think about what they're telling you. Um, and another thing is that um you see the body language, and you see who's paying deference to who and how it's really working. um and you know if it, if if an executive has an idea and then another executive or the producer doesn't like it, you can sort of pick up on that and you know, you know maybe gently know how to move it into direction. I'm always trying to do it, things in person as much as I can, and it's it's harder for us, right? Like it's nice to be home and on the phone, but it's much or now, I guess with Zoom, but it's much better. You know, for everyone to be there. I think there's also a sense of accomplishment. Like, okay, yes. we've all done. We've done this meeting. We all know where we're going. Um, and I don't know. If I'm, I'm assuming you do this too. But w- when I get to the end, sometimes I'll just like quickly go over. Okay, like so. I feel like my major marching, you know, orders are, you know, to make this character more accessible and to make him more mysterious. Like I, I sort of just play it back to them. So the last thing they hear in the meeting is, you know, where I know I'm taking it.
2: Mm-hmm. I agree with that. And an email the next day. Yeah, typically helps that.
1: Yeah.
2: If you can do it then after digesting everything.
3: Yeah.
2: And you, you know, after you want to go home and punch your cat.
3: <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
2: I like,
0: I like the email, like, let me summarize what we talked about yesterday. And and, you know, and sometimes you can kind of get rid of a note that way too. There's a percentage of notes that you can just, you yeah. know, either with that or the, I tried it, it didn't work. There's always like that, there's a percentage. And it's not a big percentage, but you can sometimes get rid of the worst by just saying, you yeah.
1: know, sort of like what? focusing what? on these what? other
0: things. <laughs> yeah. What's that? Yeah,
1: you know, just, you know, they, you know, maybe maybe I missed that note or, you know, right, uh, right. You know we, all, we all forgot that note somehow. Um,
0: and then sometimes they'll come back and say, uh, don't also forget about this one. And then you're like, okay, now I guess they're committed and I have to. Yeah. And sometimes they don't say anything and you're like, great, got away with that one. So
1: yeah. uh, sometimes they
2: don't remember what they tell you. Yeah. I
0: mean,
3: that's,
1: I, I don't know, if you have, have you ever had this experience? And I, I only had this experience once, but I suspect I've actually had it more and not known it. I had an executive walk into the room and say, um, and this was for a movie that we were making, and um, this TV movie we were making. She said, You know, I just really didn't read the draft. <laughs> 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 really well. And I'm like, sitting, you know, we're all sitting in the meeting, I'm sitting with the producer, and, you know, and I just said, You know, do you want to? I'm happy to come back another day if it's, you know, shit happens in people's lives. If this just is not a good time, I don't take it personally. I'm happy to come back another day. And she said, No, and wanted to do the notes, which was crazy because she really hadn't. Really read.
2: So, right.
3: right.
1: Yeah. I, I've
2: gone into a meeting for a particular script and I've walked in, and the producer said to me as soon as I sat down, You know, your script got amazing coverage. I'm ready. Yeah. <laughs> I'm thinking, Wow, you called me all the way in for a meeting because you read the coverage? Yeah. Like, you didn't, like,
0: uh, Well, yeah. that happens all the time. It's just usually they don't admit it, right? <laughs>
2: exactly. I guess that's what it is. I guess that's what it is. I did get a note on a script, a thriller, an independent thriller that I drafted a while ago. And the the executive producer's note was, make sure you limit the amount of flashbacks. And I turned to the producer and I said, I don't understand this note, there are no flashbacks in this movie. And he said, don't worry about it. And I said, no, I need to understand this note. You don't understand. I need to know what he's talking about. And the producer said, oh, he didn't read it. He just doesn't like flashbacks. (laughs) Sometimes
0: that's the
3: note.
0: kind of my my weird one like that one time was I had someone tell me it was an action script and um, and and it was and they said so I didn't I have to tell you front I didn't read any of the action scenes I figured they're all they're always the same anyway and and the very first note she gave me was it felt really disjointed (laughs) (laughs) you skipped half the scenes I don't know you know like I don't know what I'm supposed to do with that though so uh,
1: that's really (laughs) funny (laughs) and It's kind of terrifying. Yeah,
0: not recognizing the irony of that uh, that situation. So, um,
2: yeah. H- has anyone else had the experience where they other executives have quoted you exactly from certain books, like particularly Save the Cat? Like they said, well, Save the Cat, you need to do this, and they like say, now you want to go off and have the fun engage sequence, so we should put that in here. And I'm thinking, holy Mac, like, are you really quoting verbatim? a book, like, you know, like, I understand the, the big concepts of Save the Cat, I think there's a lot of good stuff in there, when you're not sure what to do with your story, right. you know, like, what am I missing, sort of. Right. But I, I think that they follow, I think a lot of executives follow screenplay and Save the Cat verbatim, and I think that's dangerous, and that's why I think maybe a lot of movies feel the same now.
1: Well, but there's also what's like, you know, the, the latest greatest thing, right, which is, you know, oh, I just saw you know, it's, it's funny, it was, Uh, like the Queen's Gambit you know people love the Queen's Gambit well you know (laughs) that's the latest and the greatest but you know god forbid you try to pitch a period piece you know before the Queen's Gambit because you know even now it's hard but you know that was a book from 1983 I mean you know
2: it took 30 years right to get to the scene like the producer just kept pushing it uphill
1: right right yeah I mean it's and so it's sort of like well you know what's What's hot right now? Um, mm-hmm. You know, I experienced during the pandemic where you know there was a network that was interested in a project, and then everything sort of stopped at the beginning of the pandemic. You know, things were really weird, and by the time we were able to get in, you know, the executive was like, "Look, they they've changed their mind. They want something totally different now. You know, the, these things are just going to happen. I mean, you yeah. just have to live with it."
2: I think whenever you're chasing a market, you're chasing the wrong thing. Maybe, I mean. Yeah. You, you chase a market by the time you, if you ever even get that movie made, by the time it gets to screens, it's going to feel so dated. Yeah, and you, yeah. you're just not following the breath, the actual pulse of that story anyway. You're cramming another pulse on top of it, and it never works. Yeah, even things are dated, realize it now, but some executives realize they don't are good about it. Some executives, I just, I think, it, I always tell um, when I teach, I tell my students, this town is really a cover your ass town. Yeah. Basically, if I, yeah. if I you know if I want I don't lose my job so I'm going to hire the people who wrote the hit movies that just made money over the last month so if Doug's right. movie opened this weekend at number one I'm going to hire Doug right. I and mean, after Doug's draft Karen's movie opened up at number one I'm going to have Karen. and then at the end of the day I can say well I hired Doug and Karen you can't right. fire me
3: right. exactly. and I
2: think that's sort of that's where home. we get disjointed movies now it's a you know
1: yeah, you no. Know, exactly. you know, I I think that, that that unfortunately that that's a lot of what it is, I and mean, it is a really big cover your ass town And you know, you know, just sort of getting back to the notes thing, which is why you don't you you, you don't want to have a reputation. Um, it, you have to play it really carefully. You don't want to be a reputation, as Doug was saying, as someone who just takes every note and does everything, and you know, by the end has no the movie has no soul. But you know, it was it was what they said. Um, you don't want to go the other way, uh, you know, where it's you know, you just you come in really like, you know, I'm not gonna take those notes, even though that's what you're you're you know, that's what you desperately need just, you know, to get your boss to be happy with you. Um, and I think that sort of, you know, to the point about notes, it's like I think it takes a long time to really understand good notes from bad notes, right? Like, I mean, like you know it sometimes when you see it, sometimes you know right off the bat. It's like what you're saying, David, like the heart of your script, you knew. But sometimes you get a note, you're like, I think that I could do that. Maybe I can sort of do that. And you're, you know, you're kind of thinking it through in the moment. Um, you don't know if it's good or bad till till later. And you know, how do you address it at that time?
0: Well, yeah, I feel like a lot of times it's like my initial reaction is like, that'll never work. That'll break the whole script. And then like the next day I'll be like, wait a minute, here's how I can make it work without breaking the script. You know, like sometimes you just need time to mm-hmm. think about it. And and so, so you bring up a good point here, which is to be fair, like it's not like executives are all evil and writers are all geniuses. Like sometimes like the writers, the problem in the room, right? Like there are writers that just like, are very resistant to any kind of feedback and their script needs work, right? I mean, we all need feedback and stuff. So uh, yeah, yeah. You can kind of go too far either way, either just right. not having any kind of opinion or having, you know, like I must be my way or the highway kind of approach.
2: And it's it's that balance that I think you, have, you develop over the course of your career, you don't have a right way of, uh, supporting the things that you know work and not being difficult because as soon as you're labeled difficult
3: that's
2: like a death knell it's a death knell for your career yeah so or at least temporarily for a couple years it could be you know what i mean until you find new executives or you write something new that they all love right and then they go oh my god you're such a genius again and it's like you know um so it's a tough kind of tightrope to walk and i think we all find it by stepping on a couple of landmines along the way, making the wrong choice and getting into every note and making the opposite choice and getting into no notes. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And um, so I, I just think it's something you kind of maneuver as, as you gain more experience.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, and I, it's one very early on, um, uh, one of my very first projects, really interesting because, you know, to that end, there was a, the producer and the network executive were like fighting fighting about this note like very intensely and it was a pretty significant thing and I was young um, I agreed with the producer but you know I didn't want to piss anyone off and I said to the producer what you know what should I do and she said just do what I'm telling you to do do what I'm telling you to, I'm telling you I'm right do what I'm t-. she will see that how fast did I get fired off that project like you know like that was it I mean that was you know that was just it just didn't work, and I, I
3: think oh, that. Did the
2: producer ever uh, hire you again?
1: Um, she, yes, she did. Okay. She, all right,
2: good. Did. All right, all right, good. Because sometimes you don't get that reward.
1: Yeah. Yeah. yeah sometimes no,
3: they need to place.
1: She, she, and, she, and she spoke very highly of me too, and she 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 tried to smooth things <laughs> for me.
2: So. Okay, good. Yeah. Yes.
0: The other thing you know the, the cover your ass type stuff like that's definitely a thing. The other thing I think is um, you know I've heard this said like if you want to understand how decisions or why decisions are made in Hollywood, just imagine that everybody's terrified all the time. And (laughs) suddenly everything makes sense, right? Because it's true, like everybody's afraid of losing their jobs. And I think that that infects the note process sometimes also um, in the sense of like, they they start to second guess, right? You know, they may, they may love the the script or the pitch or whatever, and then they're like, hmm, but that character's kind of unlikable. We need to make him more likable. Or like some of these, there's some of these things, like the likability of the character, mm-hmm. you know, or re- is the audience really going to understand this or do we need to make it more clear? So it's sort of like they start to doubt whether no. the thing they liked is actually good. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, so I don't know if you, if you, I guess, build up their confidence. Do you have any thoughts on on how you handle those?
2: Well, I would find that, um, Likeability. This is why act movie stars are movie stars because they can be unlikable and we still like them. So I I, I say this all the time about like Adam Sandler movies. Like Adam Sandler's not a very good actor. He's not particularly handsome, but he's one of the biggest movie stars in the world, uh, and probably one of the best paid. And and um, and if you talk to people like why they like him, guys like him because he's disarming because he's not the hot guy that's going to steal your girlfriend, and girls like him because he makes them laugh. Yeah. I always say that, like, you ever have that girlfriend, you say, why the hell are you dating that guy? And she goes, he makes me laugh. Mm -hmm. That goes a huge amount away on some people. And um, so I think George Clooney can be an unlikable jerk in a movie, as long as by the end of the movie, George Clooney has learned his lesson. And you can't get to that lesson if Scrooge is not a miser in scene one through five. (laughs)
3: Like,
2: he has to be Scrooge. And and I feel like they've lost that nerve, like you're saying, but that's why you get Adam Sandler or George Clooney or Tom Hanks or to play kind of the curmudgeon, he's not always gonna be Captain America. He might be the the you know, Scrooge. And that's okay as long as we understand why Scrooge is Scrooge.
1: Right. Right. That that's a great point. I mean, you know, if you could have that scene, you know, the flashback, <laughs> exactly. but something that lets you understand why the person is the way they are. Um, I got a really great note once Um, I was working, I was doing a project for uh, the director of development for Robert Zemeckis' company, and she said that his theory, and I thought that this was kind of brilliant, is like, you like someone who's good at your job, good at their job. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And it it made me think of like the godfather, right? Like, why do we love, you know, this horrible person, you know, you like someone who's really good at what they do, even if, you know, I always like people who are funny, even if they're evil, like, you know, that's kind of what I like to put in but I thought about that and I was like that's an excellent way to think about it you can write almost anyone if they're really really good at what they do um you know they, there's something about that dedication you know right. to their passion which is interesting
3: yeah but and if, oh, go ahead David.
2: Sorry, sorry and if they're not good at their job like Indiana Jones James Bond Batman they're all great at their job if they're not good at their job it's a comedy yeah <laughs> I right would use that as well like i say if they're terrible at their job and they're fumbling through it we're laughing with them and at them and it's a comedy now because you can't do a straight movie where indiana jones is like dropping the base that's a billion years old and (laughs) and like that's just not an indiana jones movie so
1: Or, or they get better at it i think um you know there's an old clint eastwood movie called the gauntlet and one thing i love about this movie is he's like they hire him to do this Thing because he's really have you seen it because he's really bad yeah. at his job and that's why they hire him and he gets better at it through um, you know they want him to fail they want him to fail the whole there point it is, is it. they want him to fail yeah. um, and it's kind of great like there's a great scene where he realizes that, and he's like wait am I really bad at my job and <laughs> it's like it's kind of a wonderful scene where you know it's like oh I guess I really do suck at what I do. I gotta get better um, but yeah. yeah.
0: I think that's why Walter White is the best meth cook there, is, right? Like, if he wasn't, I don't know. But the other part of that is, because I, I, in The Godfather is a great example. I, I, another, in terms of likability, I always kind of go to, we root for goals, not people so much, right? So in The Godfather, like, someone's trying to kill his father. That's why he's, you know, someone yeah. trying to shoot his father. That's why he's doing everything. And we kind mm-hmm. of get that, even if we don't necessarily root for it. And, and the same thing with um, Breaking Bad, you know, like, his initial response is, like, he gets a terminal cancer diagnosis, and he's worried about his family's financial health. So, if they if they're kind of like motivated by something that we can root for, it doesn't really matter if we like them. As right. much. that's right. even more of a writery thing, but yeah, I mean, it is. I mean, and I think you know, Dave, your point about uh, movie stars I, with Sweet Home Alabama, I definitely think that character. Reese can get away with stuff, that character is some horrible stuff, but <laughs> Reese can get away with it because he doesn't like Reese.. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> it's, it's
1: an right. interesting, I, I don't think about it that way, but it is really interesting, like, who, who's right. going to who, who put an actor in mind?
2: I mean, if you look at Breaking Bad, it's one of the greatest anti-heroes ever created. And if you look at The Sopranos, it's another antihero, and we love them, even though they're not really nice people. I mean, he's a good guy in Breaking Bad, but in the Sopranos, he's not a nice guy at all, but we still follow him on the journey. Yeah, interesting so
0: yeah the likability you know. overrated a bit <laughs> and, and you know and I also think
2: I, I did not yet know, watch uncut but I hear but I hear he's quite unlikable in it but apparently the movie's amazing so
0: yeah um, yeah and you know like I, I think um, t- you were mentioning television versus film um, you know like I think Breaking Bad he's likable in the early and then he becomes unlikable later but now you're in right? Like, so yep. You, yep. you got you. So you, you want to see how it all comes out, even, you know, and there is a point in the show, I won't say, so spoil it for anybody who hasn't seen it, but, you know, there is a point in the show where I was like, wow, I don't know if I want to keep watching the show now, because <laughs> what he just did was, like, that may be a bridge too far, but, you know, I just like, stick with it. It was like, end of episode, of season two, so like, yeah, yeah. I'm committed
2: at that point. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I don't know, I always find it funny that if you actually watch Back to Adam Sandler briefly, that movie, Mr. Deeds, there's actually a moment where he goes to save a cat from a burning building. And I read, every time, and I read the writer's field when we saw it and everyone started laughing. And I almost wondered if an executive said to them, you need a save the cat moment. So Adam Sandler was like, screw these people. I'm just going to write a moment where I save a cat. I swear <laughs> God, I almost wonder if he was like, I don't, I don't want these notes, so I'm just going to do what the hell you told me and it's going to be stupid. And he did it. I don't know, but it's a literal save the cat moment.
1: That's, yeah, cool. that's, so. like, that's like the likability like you know the right can you make the character likable? john really likable um <laughs> right.
0: but yeah i know that is an, we're bouncing around a little bit off the topic but that is an interesting thing that i think the problem you have with scripts is you don't have the likable movie star like and sometimes you sort of need to do that in a script right is just say he's very likable i mean that would maybe not quite literally like that but um you know like you sometimes have to compensate for the fact that you don't have the actor there to be charming and good looking and all of that in a script.
1: I think there are ways, there are ways to do it. I mean, there, there. you, you can make some, you know, I, I like people who are, you know, even, even if they're evil, if they're a little bit self-deprecating or they have a moment of self-consciousness, um, you know, if they, they just do something that's super relatable, you know, they can be the most horrible, like a serial killer, but they, you know, they get toilet paper on their shoe and they're trying to figure out, you know, what to do with it. Like there's, they just have a moment where you go, oh yeah, like, oh, you're going to go kill people. But yeah, I've had that toilet paper thing happen. It's really embarrassing. Like, you know, there are, there are kind of, there are ways in, I think. And if you get that note, um, you know, and, and I've gotten notes like that now and then where it's just, you're not quite sure what the executive has in mind, except they just have to make sure, as you were saying, that the character's likable because that's how they're going to have to sell it. And so I think there are, you can put in moments to sort of, you know, make, make sure that they have something that's related. Really-
0: yeah. Yeah, you know, it, you know, it isn't go, go ahead, David, sorry.
2: It's interesting that you said it because the executives want them to be likable, but the actor actually wants his character, his or her character to be very flawed and right. dark right. and like complex. Right. So they lean into like the whole can you make him autistic? Right. <laughs> the executives are like, Oh, does he have to be autistic?
3: Right. Like the
2: accountant. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. So if you made like I <gasps> sorry about that, Max. Um if you have, had like Gavin, not Gavin O'Connor, I think it was, making the accountant with Ben Affleck as his friend saying, "I'm making this movie." Would you have gotten that litany of notes saying, "Does he have to be autistic or OCD or do you know what I mean?" Like,
3: yeah,
2: well, I love that.
0: Yeah, and it's you know, it also kind of brings up the point that the notes people have different kind of jobs on the film, and and like, and like David, you mentioned earlier, like your job as the story you know, the person protecting the story and actors have things that they want to, you know, that they're trying to protect as well. And, um, you know, and you, you ignore the act, the movie star at your peril as a writer, if they have some thoughts on, on their character, you know, and you mentioned directors and I had an experience um, uh, working with the director and it, it, the financing fell apart and I won't name him because, uh, because the movie didn't get made, but he um, was, was good actually ultimately, but he was kind of saying like, well, what if in this scene, this stuff happens, you know, this all physically is happening and I was kind of like, you know, like that doesn't, that breaks the logic of the story. That is, it was a sci fi thing. And it's like, that doesn't, that is not the sci fi gimmick that we had. And yeah. so I kind of very gently started doing that. And, you know, he was like, listen to me. Then he just sort of smiles and goes, yeah, I was just being a director. I wanted cool visual stuff. <laughs> but you're right. <laughs> yeah. That work, that's, you know? that's
1: a really good point because I think, um, I, I think you have to recognize that the directors are not always thinking about story. You know, sometimes they are. But a lot of times it's like, well, what's the set piece? You know, what's the, you know, they're coming at it from a really different point of view. And I, you know, I think it's helpful if, if when you're writing, you keep that in mind because everyone wants to attach a good director. So you wanna have things in the script that are gonna entice a director to be interested in it. And well, you know, without them putting them in later and, you know, and you're going like, wait, that's, you know having your experience done just, you know that's not gonna fit into the story. I mean, it's, it's actually a really interesting difference between, you know, writing on paper and understanding, you know, how to get things made. It's, you know, you want to entice an actor, you want to entice a director, you want things in there that people are like, oh, I really want to be part of this.
3: Yeah, yeah. And,
0: and, you know, like credit to that director to, to recognize, oh yeah, that was a bad idea, and kind of like fess up to it. I was trying to be very gentle, right? I didn't want to piss him off, and he wasn't pissed off at all. He's just like, oh, you're right. I didn't think of that, but, you know, like he has an agenda. You know, he's going to be the look of the film is gonna gonna be judged on that. So he's trying to make sure that he gets what he wants. And yeah, so you have to kind of hear, I guess where people's notes are coming from. And I guess I'm thinking about that because the studio execs who want to make sure the audience understands and the character is likable, they have, there's an agenda behind those notes that's legit, right? And and maybe you can't do the exact note, but you got to kind of figure out how you can help them with their concerns, you know, about how they're Mm -hmm. marketing the movie or something.
2: Karen, I have a question for you. Sure. Before after you write a draft and before you wanted to like go to your, your agents, your reps, your producers, who are your first round of notes with.
1: You're looking at them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Doug, Doug is you know, don't you have like I have like my like three my three go-to people, right? Yeah. And you know, and and Doug is always great. Um and Doug is particularly great at story. I, I feel like Doug, you know, really helps me solve. Story issues. Um, I have a friend who's amazing at character. She's not fabulous at story, but really amazing at character. And then I have another friend who's really good at both. So that's, um, but nobody, you know, I don't get it anywhere without <laughs> someone. I right. Because yeah, you know, you, you also, you miss, you know, you've missed stuff, right? Like, you, mm-hmm. you know that you can't see everything. And mm-hmm. so, you know, you got
2: to trust them. What, what do you do? Who's your, uh, same, same thing. I have a small group. And it does seem to have gotten smaller. I, it's always an uneven number for tie-break reasons. Yeah. It's usually right. five, and now it's probably three. Right. And then, um, and I agree, you, there's those moments in the script where you go, well, forget it, I'll fix it later, and you kind right. of gloss over that piece. And that's the one thing they always go,
3: you it's right. not making a difference
2: in your right. shit. you right. did not right. get away with it.
1: <laughs> um, no it's really it's they catch they catch your shit which is yeah. which is good um when I very first started I you know, I used to go down to the writers guild with my laptop and um I met some other writers there and we sort of had this we formed this little uh, impromptu writers group this was many years ago and um I noticed that some of us really were great at you know or tried to listen to everyone's notes and, and someone some didn't and we're very much like well you're just a starting writer you don't really know what you're talking about I know what I'm doing and um and mostly those people aren't working anymore because it's, yeah. they were so adamant that they knew everything and it's not that they were bad writers it's just they were so difficult i think it was um it was hard you know it, they you you have to believe in yourself but you have to work with others as well it is a collaborative business right. you're not not writing a novel and you know it's something to think about as well
2: right i mean you have to learn how to give constructive criticism Yes.
1: Yeah. oh god you yeah can't
2: just be you can't just be the what do they say in the writer's room you break it you bought it so if you're in the staff writer's room on a show and you say that's not going to work because of that they go well you broke it you fix it (laughs) so now it's your job to find the solution and years ago i was asked to speak at a writer's group at raleigh studios i guess they do it or they used to do it on the weekends and they would have an you know somebody from the industry come and then they would read someone's pages of the group that week and it was a large group and um So I I said, can I watch what you do? And they said, sure. So I watched and I saw this executive, I know, speak. And then they read this this woman's Grey's Anatomy pages. They read one act of her Grey's Anatomy spec, which took place at a ball game and had ghosts in it. And I thought, this has nothing to do with Grey's Anatomy aside from the same character names. Anyway, so they read this act and then they say, okay, everybody give her notes, but only tell her what you like. Don't tell her what you didn't like. Doesn't work. It and matter. I said, I looked around the room and I said, This is a total waste of time for everyone in this room. Right. But I'm sure it happened because you had those people there who said, You're terrible. This is awful. I hated it. It didn't work. And those are the people you need to weed out of your life as fast as possible.
3: Well, We've
1: I, all met
2: them. We've all had them. Yeah. You know? Yeah,
1: no. I mean, absolutely. I, I, again, I think it comes down to asking questions. I mean, the best. When, when I'm taking notes from people, and not executives, just from friends or you know, my manager gives me notes. Um, I mean, what he does, which I find really helpful, he'll ask a lot of questions. What What are you trying to do with this? You know, what's What's your theme? Um, how does this scene play into your theme? How does this character? You know, it's like right. that's the proper way, I think, to give notes. Right. You start by asking the person what they're trying to do. Um, you, know, you know why they made these choices, and then you can sort of help them make their writing better, as opposed to sort of imposing your idea um, of of what it should be onto it. it it's 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 huge, and you can mm-hmm. really turn people off. And you know you can you know particularly if they're if they're young writers, you know it, it's the opposite. You can really make young writers feel instead of digging in, they'll get really start to doubt themselves. And shut down they will shut down, and that's not the goal either. The goal is how do I how do I help you make your vision better? That should be
2: the goal. It's yeah. funny when I was younger, I would give my specs to my friends to read, and just want to hear how great it was. <laughs> and now I give it to them, and I, and I just want to hear what's broken.
3: Right. Like, yeah. I'm like,
2: yeah. just hear yeah. what's not working, because you know like maybe that piece works, maybe it doesn't. Really you know what I mean
1: but now it's broken because I really want to fix it right right
2: Um, yeah you're probably all the
1: same right yeah no I mean I think that that, that, that's exactly right and I think it's um um I think it's terrible to just you know tell someone that their writing sucks and on the other hand when I'm giving notes and I know if you've had this experience but sometimes you know my mother's friend's daughter's cousin has you know whatever has written this thing will you read it and um and and For the most part, I really try, because I really feel like nobody helped me when I first started. Absolutely nobody. I was so flying blind. And I really, I try to help people. And I I try to read as much as I can when I can. Um, But I do find that um, um, every once in a while, most people are really grateful and really appreciate, but every once in a while, you get somebody who says, um, you know, I, I, um, that's fine, but, you know, so-and-so really liked it like you know I gave it to this executive who was the cousin of a so-and-so and so and really like it and then I'll go well sounds like they're maybe the person you should be talking to because it sounds like they really get it and then I leave and then I'm pissed <laughs> it's like you wasted my time it's like you don't have to agree with me but don't insult me by telling me somebody else knows you know told them that you know, it was good
0: I, I was in a writer's group one time where um was a, there was a point where I was, there was a writer, person in the group that was a little bit of a problem because they would argue with all the notes, right? And and so my big thing is like, when you're this kind of note giving you're talking about, like it's a yeah. favor, right? So
3: right you know,
1: right
0: say thank you, don't, don't argue with them that they're wrong about their notes. Like we've all, we we're spending the time giving notes. And it, there was one time where it, like the argument, it was, she was arguing with every single thing I said, and I actually stopped giving halfway through my notes. I'd be yeah, like, just I just like, that's all I had, because I'm just like, I don't, why, you know, like am. why am I wasting my time? Why am I
1: wasting my time? I mean, yeah, and I. Not of know, my
3: benefit. So.
1: Right, and I'll try to give really like constructive notes, so you can say, you know, I'll I'll say, you know, if you if you want it to be this kind of a movie, let's talk about that. If you want to be that kind of movie, let's talk about that. Let's let's talk about what you want. Um, I mean, I really try to sit and think about it, um, you know. Again, because I didn't have that guidance when I first started, so I try to give as much as I can in any ways that I can. It's a little insulting to be like, you know, yeah. well, I'll go to the person who really likes it because, you know, they tell me all the things I want to hear.
2: Well, again, it's it's like when you're young, it's like calling your baby fat. Yeah, or getting ugly. And as you as we as we have more time, you and we rate more you realize, oh, this is spec number 48. Right, right. <laughs> it's like, and next year it'll be 58. Do you know what I mean? Like, it, it doesn't, it, like, when you have that many children, right. they all sort of lose their lustre in that, and not in a bad way. You love them all. Right. But, right. You, you, um, you know, you just have to kind of accept that they're all imperfect in some way, right. and you want to try to help them as best. So, yes, I agree. The notes, it's infuriating and i try not you know when people ask you to read stuff i typically try to create an excuse not to anymore yeah um yeah. Yeah, because yeah. all they want to hear is the good stuff and they right. want to yeah. get an get which look we yeah. all did at the beginning right. so as a, as a young writer i guess my note to that would be listen yes yeah. it's offensive yeah. we're not attacking you we're trying to help we
1: you help. strengthen
3: the poems of your right. movie right
1: there's no we i, I get nothing <laughs> like taking out, you know, several hours out of my day reading this carefully writing it down coming in a meeting with you I mean I can buy myself the coffee like you know just just listen yes I'm really trying to help you I want you to get the agent I want you to sell this project that's good um so but yes I, I mean I have had that you know defensive in, in different ways I
0: just had this I, just, I find this funny um my manager knows me so well in a way like because I'm so I have this like an independent script and there's these producers that, uh, that they want to go raise some money but they're they're fairly new to producing they come from another aspect of the business and, um, and they said would you be open to making a few changes in this script and I'm like yeah let's hear the notes and then so they sent my manager the note or they sent us the notes and and or sent, I guess they sent my manager first and he's and they were kind of like they were a little vague and so he said I'm gonna call them and, and just try to figure out what they're getting at and and, he, and the thing was he's like oh they were afraid to hurt your feelings and he was like, I told him, like, no, no, just tell Doug what you want. He, he can handle it. Like, yeah. he'll be fine. Like, he just, just be, tell him what you want and he'll give it to you or tell yeah. you why it won't work. But yeah. Um, so it's funny that, like, um, you, I think when you, after a certain point, you're like, yeah, yeah, just, just tell me what right. you want. No. <laughs> Don't waste my time with, like, buttering me up and all that kind of stuff.
3: So that yeah.
1: said, I have to say, and I agree with you 100%. Um, I am working with a producer now and every time I talk to her she like compliments me up the wazoo and I don't mind it. <laughs> I'm okay with that actually and I think because I worked so 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 hard on this project and it's like I really put my heart and soul into it and I put so much time into it and it's like you know when she says these very nice things I'm kind of good <laughs> like it's all right take it. Compliment- she'll tell me she'll tell me the other stuff and I listen and I care but You know, and I would listen either way, but it is kind
3: of nice now and
0: then just to Yeah, compliments are certainly welcome. I think it's like when they're, they're like
1: They don't want to Hoping I'll
0: guess what they want because (laughs) they don't really want to say it. And it's like, no, no, I don't want to guess. Just tell me what you think and
3: I'll deal with it. So, yeah. That doesn't help. Yeah. Well,
2: I don't know. I find that the beginning when they always start that meeting with, so we really like the draft. And you just know what's going on. Like, you just know, like, here it comes. Like, you did a lot of great work. We really appreciate it. And you like, here it comes. Like, you're just going to, like, ah, oh, wow. Yeah, <laughs> and, it's exactly. like, and it's like, so we hate every character, and we don't like the plot.
1: Right. <laughs> but other than that,
3: listen,
1: I once had a producer who's a well-known producer to me, a little bit mean. And he just called me in, and he was um, an older guy. And he said, you know, I'm so disappointed of you. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, oh my god, <laughs> <You know? laughs> and I think it was a I really do. Um, but it was so like, you know, and of course, I wanted to say, oh my god, I want to make you proud again. Um, but you know, <laughs> it was such a sort of like, um, you learn to deal with all of it, you have to deal with all of it, and I think to me, that's that's the answer, and you have to be. I'm ready for anything, you have to be ready for notes that don't make sense. You have to be ready for notes that take you in a different direction. You have to be ready, you know, to hear it's great, but for the I love the draft, but my god, yes, I know. <laughs> um, it, you know, it's just take a breath, <laughs> it's probably the best advice.
2: I will just add I think, when you're in the end, but one of the things I tried to do was learn better tactics. So I read the book by the FBI hostage negotiator, really. Which- yeah. So I read, because so he, like, he was like the number one hostage negotiator for the FBI for like years. And he wrote a book about it, How to Negotiate in Business. And I thought, this is fantastic. And it's really, really fascinating. Yeah. But one of the things he does is he says, when you're having a conversation, repeat back the last two words the person just said to you, okay. and they'll think that you heard them. And they'll, or they'll feel heard, and they'll agree with you. Interesting. So, yeah. Interesting. I don't
3: know <laughs>
2: And, and the, the producer started to do this to on the set of the movie I was directing, so then I turned it, because he and I both read the book and we talked about it, and then I turned it around on him and he didn't realize I was doing it. And then he would come back and he goes, you son of a bitch. And then like, wow. But I just do it as a joke. Right, right. Like, you know, and, but it does actually work. It actually makes people feel heard, like you're listening. So I, I first of all I recommend the book. It's a fascinating read. And second of all, and it's great about negotiating too, like getting your price up or getting them to see where you're coming from. But also it's just a fascinating like insight into the human into human behavior.
1: <laughs>
2: Hostage negotiation in Hollywood. I'm
1: totally I'm all over that and I want the name of that book. <laughs>
0: I, and I, I definitely encourage uh, reading books on, a book on negotiation if you're a writer. I think it's, uh, it's a, for, the, for the actually more the latter reason you, you said about like, you know, you have to negotiate price and, and that kind of thing. And, uh, you know, we're not trained in that as writers. So, um,
2: good book on negotiation. At all.
3: Yeah. And, and we,
2: actually, part of us think, oh my God, I'm so lucky to be able to do what I love for a living. I'll take a dollar. When really like a hundred thousand dollars. We all, see, every writer I bring this therapy feels the same way. Right. You're paying me to do what I love that I would do for free? Right. Okay, I don't want to offend you, so I'll do it for 10. <laughs>
3: like, when I, when I, when
1: the, the first thing I sold, is funny, because I, I took out this project and I, and I, 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 we got an offer on it from a network and, um, and I was so excited. I was so excited and my manager said, okay, great, and then you have another meeting with this other network and I'm like, oh no, no, I, I got one. It's good, like we're set. I can he's like, no, no, you continue. I'm like, no, I didn't. It. It's, you know, it was just very funny that I had to get sort of that through my head.
0: When, when, when I was negotiating my first deal, or not, I wasn't doing it, but when my lawyer was negotiating the very first deal I ever had, there was a point where she said, like, okay, we're close. Now I'm going to ask them for the stuff they really don't want to give you. Don't answer your phone for anybody but me.
3: Because
0: <laughs> she's like, they're going to try to convince you to fire me. Right. And so, and so, like, I didn't, like my phone started ringing, you know, and then um, when she finally, when I saw it was her on the caller ID and I answered it and, and she was like, okay, we got everything we wanted. You can start talking to people again. But like, she knew, wow. she knew I, would, I was Smart. weak, right? And, and that yeah. I would hate, so.
1: Yeah, uh, well, that's, I mean, that's another thing I would suggest just, you know, in terms of when you're doing this, if you have representatives that are dealing with money, don't talk money, never talk right. money, never talk any of it. It's your creative. Your job is to be creative and to, Deal with that end of it. Never bring it up. If it's brought up, move on to something else because you hire, yeah. you, you pay people to do that, and they're the bad guys, and you yeah. know that's what they're supposed to do. And and
0: they know a lot more about. It. I mean, that probably right. the realization I, I've had, and uh, you know, is that, uh, and you know, you're talking about like how we're so excited to be, to even be working, right? But like they use that against us, right? Like mm-hmm. not that so ever share, but they've definitely their their job is to get us for the cheapest price, and they know that. You know, like, so they will, they know that we don't know what we're worth, right? And that was kind of my lawyer's point was like, she knew what I was worth and I didn't know. And so let her do the negotiations and, and that's just mm-hmm. better for everybody. And then I don't have to be the bad guy in the negotiations and yeah, they can hate her and love working with me.
2: So, yeah.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: That's yeah. why they're there. They're the buffer. The yeah, so one yeah. thing I noticed yeah. to my, my attorney was he, there would be, there was a point in this article, in this contract, the one that I told the broad green and the producer wanted to put in. And my attorney just went no we're not discussing that and he just crossed it off and he said it's not even open for and the producer wanted a, an idea by credit and he said that doesn't even exist it doesn't even exist in writer's field the answer is no and he just redlined it and i said what is he what do you get? i said what if he brings it back up he said i'm not going to talk about it it's done right. <laughs> it was like you have that power <laughs> i mean
3: that's, that's
1: that's right because when you're first starting i mean and this is also i i had a friend who who's Um, was working with a producer on a project and signed something. And he was so excited that this producer wanted to talk to him and my friend signed something. And boy, did that just screw up the project for like two years, because they eventually got sold to a studio and nobody could make it because this thing was happening and his reputation was sort of like, this is how he breaks in, right? He sells this project with this cloud over it. So um, you have to be really careful about that kind of thing. The
2: power of that is there is a power to know in the notes that Now, uh, you know, saying no eventually is saying like, but you have to weigh the costs of no. Right. Of being difficult now or am I defending story and where's that? Yeah.
3: Yeah. If I give
2: you this, this is going to cause, here's the thing I found. Um, When they don't understand that when you throw the penny in the pond, the ripple goes all the way across the lake. So when they say, cut that out here, you say, but that affects this, 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 and this. And you love this, this, and this. Right. So, if I take that out, this, this, and this are now gone. And then they go, oh, oh, I didn't see that. But it's our job as like yeah. a story photographer, if you will, to yeah. see the landscape. Yeah,
3: yeah. And
2: yeah. they don't see story landscape. We see story landscape. And that's something to keep in mind when you tell them this is like the notes I get sometimes are we want you to add to the scene, but we need the script to be shorter.
1: I, 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 I am telling you, I've gotten that note. I have gotten that note, and you're just like, but I, I but <laughs> I, and you're just like, and then I'll, you know. So the question is, what? So what should I take out? Nothing. Exactly. <laughs> Do you want me to move the margins? Is that I basically know. the answer? Because sometimes that is the answer.
3: Like, like that's
2: not how math works.
1: Right. <laughs> yeah.
2: I, I I literally had the
0: note. We need to make it ten pages shorter, but don't cut anything. <laughs> and I was like. I, that logic that sentence doesn't make logical sense like how they're like well we don't because it's funny and we don't want to cut into the humor so make it 10 pages shorter but just don't cut anything and i'm like uh, i need yeah. more
1: you know like, i need
0: more guidance there mm-hmm.
1: it's really i mean it, it it blows your mind and it's sort of like um just getting back to something you said Doug, which i think is really really important when you're taking notes in a meaning um don't and sort of a tangential point but be careful to not embarrass like you know the boss or the underling or whatever, because like to your saying, David, like you may know and see that if I take this, you know, this, this is the worst note ever. This will kill my script. This is gonna take everything good out of it. And my God, am I gonna be able to get you on the phone again later to explain this? But you gotta get on the phone later to explain it. You must mm-hmm. or send an email. Mm-hmm. You know, I really thought about it. Um, I thought, I understand why you, you know, suggested this. Let, let me explain what my, you know, now that I've had some time to think about it, let me explain with them, don't do it in the room.
0: <laughs> if you like if you embarrass someone on a note, they will now fight for that note. They, right? they didn't have even care. But now, they, now their ego is at stake, and now they're going to make That's sure it. that you do that thing. So, right. Yeah. right. Absolutely.
1: You have to be a little careful about like, your your facial expressions too now. You, know? <laughs> you can't just, I have a really bad poker face, and no. they will come in and I'll be like, you know, like uh, it's just so <laughs> obvious that I'm freaking out about how am I going to do this, and don't do that. <laughs>
2: <laughs> when you're developing something for a long time with executives, they sometimes go, well, that joke's not funny. Right. And
3: I'm
2: like, okay, but it's not funny because we're 12 drafts in right. and, you draft yeah. the first draft, yeah. and you've forgotten that it's funny because you've read it. But so I remember when we first sat down, you love that joke. Right. So you lose that freshness. Of the read, and you have to remind them it's not funny to us because we know it. So please keep in mind that we should have somebody else read it and think it's funny because it is funny. You laughed when I I I I laughed when I wrote it. You laughed when you read it.
3: All the readers
2: laughed when you read it. Yeah. That that spark of the story kind of gets dulled over time because they're familiar with it, and you have to remind them that that is a normal part of the process.
1: You you know what I do sometimes when that happens is I'll read it out loud. Yeah, I'll like you know, so let or I'll have someone else read it out loud. Like and you know, let's try it, you know, let's see if it's still, you know, may, maybe you're right, but maybe it's like we were saying, maybe mm-hmm. we read too many. Let's try it again, you know, just mm-hmm. like it, it, put it in a different medium. Um, right. You know, as opposed and, to just reading well, it again and again. Yeah. And
2: the same with plot twist. They know the plot twist is coming. it Twice. So, Because this isn't surprising
1: right. anymore. Right. Like, I know. Tell me it's
3: surprising. Right. <laughs>
1: I know, which is why, you know, you make your first draft good.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Okay. Well, good. Thank you, guys. That was uh, was a very enlightening discussion. So uh, thank you for coming on. Thank you. I'm sorry um, we died. uh, We'll see you next week for more Schmoozing About Writing.